The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and guest. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System or Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Enriquez, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to a pediatrician specializing in ear, nose, and throat conditions, Dr. Samuel Astrauer, here at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. He's going to talk to us about hearing loss and the signs parents should look for in their children. Now, that's very, very uh, interesting and important yeah. because I, as a parent, I don't know the signs. And you know, we take it for granted. Exactly. Right? So I was trying to get out. But. Okay. Well, before we move on, uh, here's a word from our sponsor. U.S. News and World Report ranked our hospital in the top 50 best children's hospital for pediatric cardiology and heart surgery. To learn more about Jody Maggio Children's Hospital, visit jdch.com. And welcome back. Before we get to today's guest, let's bring in our producer, Bahati with What's Making News in the Parenting World. How are you both doing today? Great. Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> it's a wonderful day. I can hear you. <laughs> so today's topic, um, first up, is more grandparents than ever. So according to new data from the Census Bureau, apparently there's a growing number of baby boomers who are grandparents. A lot of um, people uh, in the, I guess, Gen X uh, generation are aging up yeah. aging yep. out and their parents are actually taking care of their kids a lot more yeah mm-hmm. can you imagine the youngest baby boomers already turned 50 in the year 2014 yep wow yep. see now i've heard about this uh looming uh baby boomers aging out thing like like if it was y2k mm-hmm. is it really <laughs> I mean, exactly it's, it's, yes. it's coming it's coming yes is this it's here is it, it's here <laughs> it is here is uh is it really gonna be a problem or are we just gonna have more Well, the statistics are remarkable. Since 2001, the population has increased almost 25%, Mm -hmm. like a quarter percent. That's crazy. And they're going to outnumber the young ones, like kids under 18. Yes, yes. In like another... 30 years or mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, like I said, older people are starting to take care of, they didn't, they only, they not only had to take care of their kids, but they, in some cases, are having to take care of their grandkids as well. Um, baby boomers, for a long time, um, they were the largest number of uh, U.S. citizens in America. And then Gen X, which I'm a part of that generation, were like a blip on the screen. And then millennials came <laughs> along, and they uh, uh, um, actually have the numbers to compete with baby boomers as well. So this is a really interesting fact. And um, like you said, young baby boomers are now 50. My mom's uh, an early b- baby boomer. She was born in 1950, so a lot of aging parents. Does she want you to say this? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just checking. Okay. Does she have an opinion upon that? Upon, uh... <laughs> Um, but we love our grandparents. Yes, Thank absolutely. God for that. Absolutely. My, my daughter's uh, grandfather is her nanny. So we oh, love grandparents. So oh, shout out to all the grandparents. Yes, definitely. We love you all. <laughs> <laughs> love grandparents. Um, so moving on to the next topic. So according to a recent study published in the Journal of JAMA Psychiatry, new dads 
also risk depression. Um, I know a lot of women go through postpartum depression when they have their babies. And so this is a really interesting because a lot of a lot of times you don't think of men. Um, I knew depressed. it. I knew they had mood <laughs> swings. We, we, I we know. Have feelings. I knew it all along. We do Thank have you, feelings. <laughs> We're allowed to feel. Right, right, right. So, Jason, could you uh yeah, yes, I can. I can yeah. personally attest yes. to this. Um, I was a, a young father, mm-hmm. and you know, being a man in general, you know, you're supposed to be there, provide, have all the answers mm. and theory. And I, I can say that after reading this, I didn't know what it was at the time, but yes, I probably did have a new dad depression mm, um, the where the stress, um, but you know, less frustration, more just like down, trying to figure out, you know, you know, where am I? What am I trying to do? So I definitely definitely relate to this article mm-hmm. you know it's something you have to crawl out of and you really have to just wake up and say you know shake yourself because i remember looking in the mirror and saying no you can do this you know and so definitely this is a real phenomenon now I'm, i have a name to put to it for my early years interesting right yeah right, all right. jokes aside i mean there's a lot of pressure men have especially if you're the lead of the family i would i would say that it's an important topic to raise awareness mm-hmm. because if you're depressed mom's depressed or either, I mean, that's going to affect your new child. Yes. And I think the studies show that they were testing men in the third trimester of the lady's pregnancy mm-hmm. and then postpartum, and the rates of depression increased postpartum yes. as well. Yes. So it continued, and it became more commonplace after the baby was born. No, yeah, because, you know, it, it builds up because, you know, the baby's, you know, growing, and you, you, you interact, but when it's... When the baby's here, the baby's here. Right. You know, it's thrust into the world. The mom's thrust with it. The dad's thrust with it. The baby's thrust with it. But, you know, the pressure is on. Like, either either you, you, you know, nobody's ever really ready to be a parent, but you're ready to be a parent. So, you know, we react as well as we can. It's interesting, though, that it says here that, that uh, sad dads affect the baby. Oh, you yes. know, you, th- you think that, oh, babies, you know, mom's heartbeat, mom's got it. But uh, the dad's mood affects the baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it affects the mom, which, again, will translate, right? So it's like a whole family affair. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would imagine a lot of times people think that you're supposed to be happy and joyous and because you have this new baby, but that is not the reality. The reality is you are dealing with a ton of emotions. Um, And so it is important that if you are in a relationship that you talk, right, to your spouse or your partner um, about your feelings uh, so that you have someone to talk to and you don't feel like you're alone. Right. In this. Right. And health matters, especially the studies panned out if you're in poor health as a father to begin with, that your chances are are higher. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that because when a baby comes along, the last thing you're doing is taking care of yourself well. Right. right? So Very if true. you have a baseline low Very health, true. you know, it can only get worse, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so eat right. Reach out to people. Feel your feelings. I'm still trying to eat right <laughs> and exercise. So new dads, feel your feelings. Yes. Don't let it guide you. Yes. And, and it's normal. It's, it's normal. normal. And, you know, Come on, Jason. Talk other. to the dads. Tell listen, them. Listen, let, it's, no, it's normal, okay? <laughs> and, you know, feel it out. Talk to your partner. Talk to the baby. Believe it or not, that actually helps. <gasps> I love that. It helps. I remember, you know, late nights on the terrace and you know, I was feeling overwhelmed. I, I picked up my first child and I was having discussions. And it, it, it was, you know, you know. That's a moment of bonding. Exactly. That's beautiful. <laughs> and, Wonderful. and you'd be surprised how a baby will uplift you just by grabbing your cheek mid-sentence mm. about how, you know, frustrated or tired you are. Or vomiting on your or, shirt. Or, or, or vomiting on <laughs> your shirt. You uh, to, either you, way. You have, to love, you have to love burying your soul and then you hear that wet, wet burp <laughs> and you know it's coming. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyway, great as discussion. always, we have a great time we here. We have a fantastic so. <laughs> time. New dads, I got your back. We were yeah, here, we're here for you. Yeah, that's for sure. Before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. 
patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. And thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Samuel Astrauer. Welcome. Welcome, doctor. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we're going to learn a lot, I'm sure, about hearing loss prevention and screening. Um, hearing loss occurs in um, quite a number of children, actually. Um, permanent hearing loss can occur in between two and three out of every 1,000 babies who are born uh, in the United States. And uh, as children get older um, into, the, into the school age years and toddler years, it occurs in up to, up to 5% of children. That's an alarming number. That is an alarming number. So what are the early signs of hearing loss for the babies? So um, the early signs actually are uh, failure to startle to loud noises. Um, the child, as, as, uh, as he or she gets a little bit older in terms of months, may not recognize voice, may not turn his or her head to voice um, when, when a parent speaks to the child, may not respond um, to, to normal noises. But actually, since the 1990s in the United States, there's been um, increased awareness of, of hearing loss and the need for early identification and early intervention. And so, whereas in the 1990s, we were um, not screening children, and most children with permanent hearing loss were being identified at two, three, four years of age. Later, yeah. Later, um, and as kids get a little bit older, um, if they're not hearing properly, they're not going to develop normal speech and language. Now, you're speaking about uh, children getting older. Now, as a parent with older children, um, what signs should parents look up for for eight and above? So, um, as kids get older, certainly um, after one year, two year, three years, um, there are certain landmarks in terms of speech development. So, you know, at, at one year of age, your baby should say a handful of clearly spoken words, mama, dada, ball, and should be understanding a lot of, a, a lot of language and, and into the toddler years should be able to, to follow commands and this kind of thing. And, and then there are clear landmarks as the kid gets older. After about two years of age, um, the child should be putting a couple words together and should be starting to say um, short phrases. And at two years, 50, 50 words clearly spoken and exponentially more vocabulary each year after that and more complex language. After eight years of age or so, um, you start thinking if, if the child has already developed normal in speech and language um, at that point, you start thinking uh, instead of, of permanent or, or congenital hearing loss that the child was born with, you're thinking about maybe other sources of hearing loss that are more uh, acquired. So child may not um, be performing well in school, okay? Looking out for, for behaviors of inattention, poor concentration. Have those meetings with, with your child's teacher and really listen to what your teacher is saying. If they have concern, pardon me, if they have concerns about what the child is, is hearing or, or attention, that may be a sign. But 
Eight-year-old kids these days, they're using telephones. Are they able to put the phone up to their hear, ear and, and hear properly? If your child is, is, is at home watching television, as most children do, are they constantly asking you to turn up the TV? Uh, is the TV, is the radio up at louder than normal levels? So those are some, those are some uh, general things to look out for in the older child. So in your experience, is it more the parents that are bringing this to someone's attention, or is it the pediatrician that picks this up? Who, who are detecting these issues earlier? Well, so it's a good question. As I was mentioning before, after the 1990s, uh, as there was a real push uh, in public health to, to identify these kids earlier, um, we started doing early intervention, early screening. So right, universal right. newborn hearing screen. That is the goal in the United States is for 100% of babies born in the United States to have a hearing screen. That's wonderful. And, um, and uh, we're way above 90% in terms of a catchment in, in that regard. But so, so we're finding a lot of children much earlier than we used to find. And so those numbers of, of 2 or 3% of children born with permanent hearing loss in this country arise out of good screening. So when your baby is born in the hospital, before your baby is discharged from the hospital, whether it's a normal healthy delivery or a premature baby who's spent many months in the hospital, before you, your child leaves the hospital, you should know whether the, the baby passed or failed the newborn hearing screen. That's exactly and, right. And, and did the baby pass in one year or both years? Um, and from there, if, if there's a pass, hallelujah, and, and then a lot of parents will, will be alerted to the fact that the child's not responding normally to, to speech or language, uh, to, to sound at home. And so there's a good proportion of kids who will be identified by the parents. Um, but then pediatricians are routinely doing hearing screens in their office as well. But follow-up after that newborn hearing screen is really, really key. So if your baby fails that newborn hearing screen, you must go for follow-up because we need to identify these kids early. Um, it's, it's well known at this point that if you don't identify kids early and intervene with either um, interventions to help the hearing, with hearing-assistive devices like hearing aids uh, or in the most severe circumstances, uh, uh, cochlear implants, that the cost for speech therapy and, and educational services is in the billions of dollars. That's astronomical. That's really, yeah, really it's high. it's really amazing. So is it fair to say that if you're newborn and you pass your hearing test, your screening hearing test, are you in the clear or? Um, wonderful question. Um, it's uh, in general, you are in the clear until you show signs of hearing loss. Okay. Not startling to sound, not responding to voice. Um, and and potentially having speech and language um, delay. There are some isolated circumstances where you can pass your newborn hearing screen and you still may have a, a hearing loss at that time, but that's that's the minority of cases. Okay, so uh, it's many months, maybe, maybe many years since my newborn uh, passes the hearing test. Now I suspect my child has uh, hearing um, issues. Before I panic, what steps would you say that I should take as a parent? Talk to your pediatrician. Don't ignore it. Don't wait. It's not, a, it's not a cause for a trip to the emergency room in general, unless your child says suddenly that they're not uh, hearing. 
um, whereas they were beforehand. But in general, you need to bring it to the attention of your child's pediatrician. And a pediatri most pediatricians have the capability of doing um, basic screening tests in their office, but they will then refer for additional hearing testing, when, whether that's done by an otolaryngologist or a pediatric otolaryngologist as myself with our team of, of pediatric audiologists or um, through an early intervention provider where a hearing test can be accomplished. Um, but the goal is not to wait because if we identify hearing loss, we need to, we need to act quickly. You mentioned something about cochlear implants. Can mm -hmm. you tell us more about that? Um, so cochlear implants are um, really nothing short of a uh, miracle of modern medicine. Mm. It's uh, incredible tech hearing assistive technology, um, and the cochlear implant essentially is a mini computer that's inserted surgically. Um, candidates for, for uh, cochlear implants in the United States are uh, babies uh, 12 months and older. That young. Yes, and uh, in many parts of the world, uh, it's being done uh, much younger at six months of age. Even. Oh, wow. And, um, but, um, but the FDA has approved them for 12 months and older, and it's for children who have hearing loss on both sides, bilateral hearing loss, which is in the severe to profound r range, um, which, does not, um, uh, does, which does not respond to typical hearing aids. So enough hearing loss that it's going to lead to significant speech and language delay that's not aidable with a, with a standard hearing aid. Do they have to try that hearing aid first and yes. fail it and then move on to the Yes, implants? wonderful, wonderful mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the typical scenario, the ideal scenario for us in a permanent hearing loss in a child is a baby who fails the newborn hearing screen, whose parents realize that they failed the newborn hearing screen, and follow up as directed for additional testing. And the goal for children who fail their newborn hearing screen is have a specific identification of the hearing loss and a diagnosis within the first three months of life. Mm. And so if we identify these children early, we find out what the source of the hearing, hearing loss is, and we do a medical workup. Sometimes that involves an MRI or a CAT scan, additional hearing testing, sometimes even under anesthesia, um, specific uh, electrical hearing tests that are done similar to an EEG. And then we apply hearing aids as soon as as soon as possible. So is this done in your office or through your program? I think Joe DiMaggio has. Tell us about this cochlear implant program. So yes, um, uh, the Joe DiMaggio uh, Pediatric Co Cochlear Implant Center is uh, Broward's only uh, pediatric cochlear implant center, um, and it's a multidisciplinary team. So what happens? Uh, as I mentioned, a patient may may fail the newborn hearing screen and get referred for additional testing. And once that child is identified as having a severe to profound hearing loss, they essentially become quote unquote candidates for a cochlear implant evaluation. Oh, okay. And so that evaluation process involves um, a multidisciplinary team. So all the doctors are there to meet and greet that patient. So they don't have to shop around and go we visit to visit. You coordinate, coordinate all the doctors to help that patient. Exactly right. Wow. Exactly right. And we have a streamlined process, and it's a uh, it involves a lot of uh, a lot of handholding on our part, a lot of education um, to help the parents to understand the importance of the hearing loss, not to ignore it, the importance of uh, complying with hearing aid usage, and then following up with the with the medical management. 
And we know that the first few, year life, few years of life are crucial for speech and language development. Right, right. If you don't have access to sound, uh, enough hearing, and enough access to sound um, to develop speech and language, you will have permanent delays. But if you intervene early enough, put those hearing aids on, see our uh, speech and language pathologist who specializes in hearing loss. Uh, this person's known as an auditory verbal therapist. Um, who has who has unique auditory verbal therapist? That's awesome. That exactly. is an interesting title. Yes, and these are these are speech pathologists who um, not only are experts in, in speech development, but in the context of hearing loss. So, if you identify a baby who has hearing loss or a young child who has hearing loss, and you apply a hearing aid or even a cochlear implant, how do you teach that child to? Um, appreciate sound as as speech versus versus a car honking or a lawnmower wow. or an wow. airplane or the sound of paper crinkling, and that's a that's a specific uh, skill set um, that's included on our cochlear implant team. So the implant team includes myself, who's a pediatric ot- uh, otolaryngologist, uh, pediatric audiologists a um, speech and language uh, pathologist, an auditory verbal therapist, as well as a social worker. That's amazing. So it would be safe to say that catching it early, the symptoms early, opens up many opportunities and maybe different uh, options to to combat the the issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's a process of of trial and error. And uh, we put the the hearing aids on on the child, and maybe all of a sudden that that those hearing aids aid that specific hearing loss enough that the patient can go on and develop normal speech and language. If not, then we do further testing and and, uh, sometimes proceed with, uh, with cochlear implantation. So you made a great point. It's so clear how vital hearing affects your speech and language development. So what would you say if a hearing problem goes untreated? What would be the top three or four consequences of this for that child? So uh, as I as I already mentioned, um, speech and language is is the top right up there. Yeah. Um, And um, and so if your if your uh, infant toddler or child is is not um, not hearing properly uh, in those first few years of life, we know that there is a, a high risk of, of speech and language development. So that would be that would be first and foremost. Um, and um, and along those lines, if your child isn't hearing and not developing speech and language, you may start to see behaviors associated with the oh. lack of speech and language development. Are these kids like frustrated? They're Very not communicating and... Temper oh, tantrums. Temper okay. tantrums, um, acting out, mm. uh, sometimes aggressive behavior if they are not able to either understand what is being uh, communicated to them and uh, or not being able to actually communicate and express themselves verbally. Uh, most kids who are born with hearing loss are born to hearing parents. And so if you're not clued into hearing loss, if you're not clued into those signs or symptoms, um, you may not identify a speech delay as a potential um, sign of hearing loss. And those kids functioning in a, in a family of hearing individuals may not get identified. And the, these behaviors may, wow. may, may wow. present themselves. Well, before we let you go, um, is there any uh, tips you can give parents on how to prevent hearing loss? So um, number one is to is to have your newborn hearing screen so you identify any potential hearing loss. 
Um, one of the more common causes of hearing loss in, in toddlers and, and uh, school-aged children is um, recurring ear infections. Mm. So recurring ear infections or chronic otitis media, so to speak, where fluid or mucus develops and accumulates behind the eardrum, that can cause hearing loss. And so identifying that and seeking treatment for that is an important, is an important step to take. Um, but avoiding uh, noise exposure is very important as well, especially in the teenage population, the ad adolescent population. Um, there's been some actually pretty good research on, on teenagers wearing uh, earbuds and using their iPods uh, mm -hmm. too loudly. Noise exposure uh, is a known source for hearing loss. And so that can there be is truth to loss. that. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Turn, turn down turn, the music. Turn it down. Oh, turn down wow. the music. You're giving if, these parents a lot of ammunition, okay? <laughs> exactly. If you can hear your child's music playing from their headphones, the sound is too loud. And that is a potential source for, for hearing loss. Um, absolutely. That's great concrete That's absolutely. information. Thank you so much for your time. I actually yeah, had an opportunity to, uh, to see your mini documentary on uh, Nikki's Journey. Uh, and where you actually performed a cochlear implant uh, surgery, that was actually really amazing. Really amazing. Thank you. Star yeah, she's a uh, she's an amazing uh, baby who's doing great with uh, with her hearing assistive devices. Oh, it looked it looked. Wonderful. I wish you all could see Dr. Ostrauer smile right now. Yes, <laughs> it's clear He's he care for his par uh, patients. So. Well, thank, thank you, you so thank much. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you all thank for you. Uh, joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to uh, to us on iTunes. And tell your friends about it, tell everybody about it, and visit Joe DiMaggio's Facebook page.